Hey, we're on. Welcome back. This Welcome is it. back. What is it? <laughs> du, 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 du. Actually, let's let's, uh, let's cut to the theme tune. Yes. Go. So we should sort of apologise because it's been a long time since we've uploaded a podcast, but we've been busy. We've been very busy. We've been uh, shooting. We've been running around. We've been on holiday. Mm-hmm. We've been. I haven't been on holiday. You haven't been on holiday. No, yeah, no. you went to Magic Wood. I did. That's true. Actually, that is true. I was there for two days. It was good. Yeah. How was Spain? Spain was uh, relaxing. But it wasn't any climbing. No. Just relaxing in Madrid with the kids by the pool. <laughs> that sounds unrelaxing. Drinking orange juice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, one of the reasons we've been super busy is we've been on lots of shoots. And we yes. thought that that could be quite a cool topic for today's podcast. Topic of discussion, number one. Yes, because, you know, Epic TV, we are we are a shop. We've talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. We make videos that you guys know about, but we haven't really talked so much about the production side of it. So how we get to the point of we're in a room by ourselves thinking about ideas, and then at some point that becomes a video that's released on our channels or Climbing Daily or YouTube channel or the website. And it's how do we get from ideas to actual video? And that's what we're going to chat about today. Um, Let's talk about uh, Climbing Daily first. Because uh, why don't you talk about through the processes of how kind of something comes together? Because obviously climbing daily is something that we do every day that we have to kind of keep the ball rolling uh, in terms of content and how it's produced. How do you go about uh, putting together a shoot for climbing daily? So for me, there's there's kind of there's a few ways of, of going with it. Um, number one is the stuff that we're sort of paid, contracted to go and do. So for example, uh, like a climbing competition. So uh, I'll pull one out there. That's a Quiff, for example. So Quiff takes place in the UK. Uh, we get accommodation, we get flights, we get sort of, I'm saying it's paid, it's not paid. <laughs> we get expenses uh, to go to Quiff. Um, but we know that when we go to something like Quiff, we're going to film the competition. That's the focus of it. So there's going to be probably a qualification round. There might be a semi-finals and there's definitely going to be a finals round. And it's sort of a showcase of that event. There's always lots of good extras at Quiff. Ah, oh, so many extras. What's like, the one, that fancy dress one that you always get into? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, in the evening they have a session and they, everyone dresses up and they climb all the all the off-piste bouldering problems. And it's always one of those ones that stays on our hard drives for quite a long time. We don't, um, we don't release it straight away. And then I usually forget that it exists. And then months later I go, oh my God, I was dressed in boxing gloves. I should probably do that. Yeah. And it goes out. And it goes out and does really well. <laughs> it does really well. It always yeah. does really well, that one. It's fun, isn't it? It's, I mean, I've never been. No, have you not? You've never been to Quiff. Never been to Quiff. No. Next year, maybe. They actually, always they say, um, Matt, you're welcome, but mm. Hugo, this bring thing, another camera. It is in the email, yeah, specifically. Yeah, so. That's not true. Um, but around, that's not true. But around Quiff, there's lots of other material we get. So we're in the Peak District, so we often try to hang out with trad climbers or gritstone stuff. Um, so that's that's like quite a simple shoot because we know we've got one focus and then it's just trying to get as much content around that. And that's usually a case of emailing athletes before we go. Um, or, or to be honest, usually... By this point, I mean, I've been doing this job for three and a half years-ish now. And, you know, you build a certain rapport with certain athletes. And I know that an athlete has done something impressive or that I want to work with an athlete. And sometimes we just approach them. We say, look, can we do an interview? Or do you want to go climbing? Do you want to do something? And it develops from there. So sometimes it's planned and sometimes it's just a bit more on the hoof. Let me just see who's there. When you go to something like Quiff, Mm. obviously you've got like a couple of guys you're like... You might do something with them, do something with them. Who are the guys? Who are you like go to? You're like, 
I'm going to go there and I'm going to know that if I go up to him, he's going to be up, to, up for doing something. Uh, Just like in the moment. Amongst, not, not are you talking IFSC athletes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, Jeanne Cruder. Yeah. Although, Mr. Jeanne Cruder, he will always agree and I'll be like, cool, so four o'clock here and he'll be like, <laughs> yes, four o'clock here and then four o'clock will come and I know that I'm going to be wandering around trying to find that man yeah, and his yeah. sister and someone else and he'll be somewhere chatting up a girl or having a beer. Um, <laughs> but he is, he is amazing to do that. From the IFSC guys, uh, Yanya, considering what a star she is true if you approach her and say look can we do something she's usually happy to do that to be honest 90% of them are great yeah at, at saying yeah and especially like most of them understand the game and most of them get that the reason they're sponsored is because people like us feature them so they're usually happy to promote a project or a climb they've done or just have a chat usually some of them don't watch climbing daily that's not true some of them don't watch it recently that's what who yeah. who specifically uh i'm not going to name any names <gasps> but um I'm trying to think of somebody uh who hasn't watched climbing daily recently uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name All any right. names okay, okay but i think that there are some people that don't watch the show should i just generically hate all ifsc athletes now just in case one of them doesn't watch it yeah, I think that'd be a good idea just to spread it around. Like, because you can't concentrate it because you just don't know. What, the hate? Yeah, because you don't know who's watching. No, I'm quite good at generally hating, so I'll go for that. Oh, really? Yeah, just a, just a, just an all-purpose hate. Is it come from within or without? I have repressed childhood. I don't really want to talk about it in the pod. <laughs> I have uh... repressed childhood. <laughs> I didn't have a childhood. Didn't you have. didn't have a childhood? No, no, I was straight into adulthood. You had to take responsibility on too early. Yeah, I miss nappies. Um uh, it's got weird. Um, so that's Climbing Daily. That's one Climbing Daily. Uh, but obviously it follows a format, Climbing Daily, right? So Monday, yeah. Tuesday, uh, generally shows that we filmed that are sort of feature-ish shows. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, new show. Thursday, six and Friday, gear show. So usually it's only really coming up with two shows a week that are unique. The other ones obviously take some work, but we've chatted about them, you know, writing scripts and all that. But those yeah. two Monday, Tuesday shows that are produced shows... They're the ones that I have a big spreadsheet full of climbing daily shows that we've already filmed. And it's just working through them, trying to work out which... Some of them have to go into certain scheduling areas, for example, Arterix Academy. That's Mm -hmm. got to go out within a couple of weeks of the event. Yeah. Some have to sort of promote an event, so they need to go out at a certain time. And there's a lot of shows that we filmed. And the one I'm thinking of now is the free solo boulder problem outdoor. Yeah. Which we knew we just keep in the... (coughs) Excuse me. In the background... And we can release it whenever. Well, that's we want. like one of those uh, quiff ones, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's it just like, sits it's, there. Yeah. yeah, and then like doesn't matter when it goes out; mm-hmm. it'll go well as long as you put Alex Arnold in the title yeah, and exactly. on the cover. Exactly, and Matt defies death or whatever I called it. <laughs> that's a very good title. <laughs> it was something. Yeah. So that's climbing daily, but let's look bigger because Epic TV is like a, a flower. There are many layers. That's good analogy. It's isn't it? Carry on with it. Yeah. So let's just say climbing daily is in one place. Uh, the step out is the bigger YouTube channel. So the website and the big YouTube channel. Yeah. And that is mainly your domain, your head of content. Uh, one yeah. of your responsibilities is finding material and content to fill those channels. Sure. How do you do that? Because a lot of what comes onto our channel isn't necessarily stuff that we've produced, right? Yeah. Or like directly filmed. Yeah. Well, no, I, mean, I have a essentially a network of filmmakers that I work with uh, and that approach me and with like ideas for films and budgets and and stuff like that so i've always in kind of conversation with kind of guys as we go so i'm like sitting at the at the desk exchanging emails and every now and then somebody comes to me and go like i've got an idea for a thing gonna go climbing with this person uh yada 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 and i'll be like okay cool that that sounds really good 
Um, when it becomes complicated, that's kind of easy. And I have a budget every year and I can like commission certain series and films and stuff like that. And I try to kind of work within that budget. When it becomes interesting is when we kind of work with brands and when we pitch them ideas. And those ideas essentially come from me. But I'm always like checking, I'm working within a pool of filmmakers. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pitching those guys with those guys in mind. So I can then go, if they come back to me and go, okay, we really like that idea. I'll then go to my filmmaker and say, can we do this, please? So... Are there what, any other... Sorry, Jim, are there any Are there any films that you want to do yourself? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you get an idea and you're like, you pitch it to a brand and you've got this filmmaker and you have, you sometimes go, you know what, I kind of want to do this. It's, I mean, I guess so. Uh, I think I find it quite stressful, um, that side of things. So, for example, a really good example is, is La Sportiva Living Legends. And I've been kind of directing that for the last kind of three or four years, working with a cameraman called Matfi, uh, who actually... His name isn't Matfi, it's his fan. Yeah. Which always confuses me because I had to buy flights for us the other day. This is this uh, Hungarian uh, cameraman who I use, he's a genius good, cameraman. Uh, and his, he tells everybody that his name is Matfi. Yeah, he But does. it turns out his name, his second name is Matfi, his first name is Istvan. We've all been calling him Matfi Istvan, his name is Istvan, Istvan Matfi. I've booked flights for yeah, him yeah. the way around. As have you. Well, this is this is what I bring yeah. up because, like, recently I was booking EasyJet flights and I was like, I, I deliberately had to go. Right, his second name is, is <laughs> what I think his first name is. Anyway, so um, we've been doing this shoot for the last kind of three years. Uh, it's an interesting one because I have three days where we go over and we film with these athletes. And the way that most films are done, I'd say, is you go and you spend a certain amount of time. It's like documentary filmmaking, isn't it? That's how most climbing films are done. You go and spend time with the person, you shoot your interviews and stuff like that. But I kind of started think, looking at it from a different way and, and trying to kind of script it a little bit with these Last Sportiva Living Legends things because I knew that we only had three days and I was like, what, what can I kind of control more before we go? So I know that I'm going to go and I'm not going to... We've not going to done a recce like a normal shoot where we go and check out before. Uh, so we don't know what the, the location's like. I can control the script. So the stuff that they say in interviews and stuff like that. Normally we'd, we'd, we'd go and we'd film an interview and we'd say like, let's just talk for about half an hour and we'll get like the five minutes of audio that we need. The problem is, is that we, because we, the turnaround's quite quick uh, and we want to try and control the output what I've been doing recently is like trying to get a script together before we go on the shoot. So asking the questions that I would ask on a shoot in an emails before we kind of like write back and forth and we kind of create this script before we go. So what comes first? Do, do you have an idea? So do, do the, does the idea for the script come from the athlete or do you go, look, you know, this is what your perception is in the world. This is the angle we're going to go down on. Can you write a script towards this? Or do you just chat to the athlete and they go, I love wakeboarding. Uh, that's a big yeah. part of my life. And you're like, cool, okay, well, write a script around wakeboarding and climbing. I mean, how, does, how does that initial concept come out? I think the way that we, we do it is we look at the climber and we kind of essentially say we want to make a profile. And that's what these kind of living legends thing. It's like a legend series. So it's like looking at the climber and what they're about and who they are and that type of thing, what they've done. Um, and what we try and do is we try and create and we tell their story, but we tell it within, we've got three days to shoot it. We're trying to tell their story. You can't tell their whole life story. You have to tell it within a bracket of like, you know, who, what they're trying to do at that moment in, in their life kind of thing. But then you can reflect on, on past and present and future and, and all that kind of stuff. But 
what I try and do is we try and right, I sit down with them. We have a talk. We kind of talk through what they're up to at the moment, uh, what they're really interested, like you say. Uh, so, for example, we did a Neil Gresham film last year. And I kind of called him up. We had a few conversations where we were like, look, what's going on with you at the moment? He said, I'm back in the Lake District. I'm doing trail climbing, but I'm kind of an all-round climber. I've, you know, I've done sport climbing, I've done deep water solo, I've done all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm like, well, okay, let's, tell, let's try and tell that story within your experiences of being in the Lake District and where you are at the moment. Um, I don't think it's like a perfect way of doing it, but it is, <laughs> for us, it's a way of doing it. And it's, for me, it's a way of doing it and it means that I don't like completely stress out and lose my yeah. SHIT before we go on the shoot. I have some kind of semblance of control before we go out there and I know what's going to happen. In a perfect world, I think we'd go to locations, we scout it all out. We'd, you know, we do that thing, right? Yeah. We can't do that. No. So how much of this is down to luck? Because do you occasionally turn up and there's a beautiful sunset and an amazing skyline and Neil's walking along and there's a silhouette and you're like, damn, that's my shot. I mean, because some, it's got to be on the fly a little bit. If you've got three days, you're going over. I mean, I know you've got Hazel Finley coming up. Mm -hmm. You have no idea where in North Wales. Well, you know you're shooting in North Wales. We don't know which locations. Yeah. It's got a huge amount of skill as well as luck to be like to find those shots in the moment rather than have a production assistant who's gone out and scouted a location you know you're, you're kind of doing this on the fly that's that's hard yeah t true but what we're counting on is the climbers basically we're like saying to them look we need a location for this shot we need a location for this setup this setup, this up so we try and like for example with neil we said look we want to do film you on a ridgeline walking along the hood comes off blah 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 boom opening shot and he's like okay i know where i know where to go a lot of the time we have, either we don't communicate it properly or they don't quite understand what we're talking about so we, they take us somewhere where we were not really ideal but you know we, we're like in my head I know that I want to get those shots so that's communicated beforehand I'll try and this is again the whole control thing like if we go there and I'm like I have some kind of control because a lot like initially the ones we did we'd go and we had no control we'd just be like oh, let's just try and get shot here let's try and get shot here and it was so stressful uh, and Matthew does get a little bit stressed in situations where maybe he doesn't have that control that he needs to kind of create the mm. best images that he can. And I totally get that. So my job in this is to kind of try and give us as much kind of control, much of an idea of what we're going to shoot before we go, so that when we go there, we have that structure that enables us to kind of sh get the best images possible. Um, but it's interesting. This Hazel one is an interesting one because she... I don't know if they stole my idea or not, but basically, and they did a brilliant film, but uh, they, she did a film with, um, what's the, what are you about Flo? Hot Takes hot take Production, I'm yeah. sure they didn't steal my idea. But he's they probably did, listening. They, yeah, he's probably listening. <laughs> he definitely watches Clement Day. <laughs> Paul, if you're listening, I don't think you copied my idea, I'm just kidding. But he did something very similar to what we try and do, which is like, you create a voiceover before, you go and do some kind of setup shots, um, and you create this film with this voiceover. And I was like talking to Hazel about this and I was like, look, I kind of want, this is how we do Last Sports of Living Legends. We do it like this and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, look, I don't want to do the script thing again. Um, I don't want to do it because we've just done it and I don't want it to be kind of too similar to that film. And I was like, fine, I get that. So what we're doing with Hazel, we're going to go. She feels more comfortable kind of talking as in, in an interview situation. So we're going to go back to that kind of format and hope that, it's it's we're okay we can kind of work with that i'm sure we will i've, just, I've heard her talking like podcasts and stuff like that she's yeah she's very, good she's good she's got good flow she has she does um yeah so that's kind of talked about two opposite ends we've got climbing daily the ones that are sort of fairly on the fly 
not loose, but you know, it's it's our style. And I think there is a style about yeah. doing it. And then you get the ones that are like Last Book of Living Legends, far more polished, scripted. Mm-hmm. You've got a Matafi with all the toys, and I yeah. know you've got all the toys because whenever you leave, there's nothing left. <laughs> yeah, here exactly. To film anything Literally, on. Literally, the, the shelves are bare. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> you've got one camera, got one, one, camera light. one microphone. The light's broken. <laughs> um, but there is a sort of mid ground, I think, with a few things. Uh, so the, the shoots like. Uh, like Recovery Drink in Norway which is a climbing daily but a bit more production mm-hmm. value on it and we spend yep. more time on that and that, I think that's one of the nice things about Epic TV is we've got these platforms that we can do different things on and we can kind of merge that depending on what the budget is and what the brand is and what we want to promote Yeah, um, it's interesting looking at the YouTube channel because we've got 300 and, I did it today in the year 350 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, right? Yeah. I reckon probably 70% of that are wakeboarders and <laughs> wingsuiters and yeah. everything from back in the day, right? How are you pitching and how have you seen climbing films evolve and change through Epic TV? Has the style of them altered? Um, I don't know. Like, I think when I came in, I had this big like idea of like, it was just when I, I started vlogging and that whole aspect of creating content about yourself kind of came in and i i kind of brought a couple of people in uh along with me i, I can convince james pearson and caro mm-hmm. Valdini to do a vlog uh i convinced magnus mitbo to do it um if only um although like, i was there when he came up with the idea oh really i was I'd had a few beers. Yeah. We were in, um, where was it? In uh, Barcelona. Yeah. At you a were vlogging. thing. Uh, I was vlogging, but not exact that exact moment. And we were talking about vlogging. Yeah. And he was talking about how another athlete had done it. And he was like, you know what? That's who, who quite smart. I, I can't remember who we were talking about. It was someone through Epic TV who was vlogging for us. And I can't remember who it was. Isn't that James Pearson? It might, maybe it was James. Yeah. It might, might have been right at the beginning of the Cold House thing. Oh, yeah, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. possibly. But he was like, I could see the cogs in his mind. No, it was Stefano Gasolfi. I'm yeah. sorry. You know okay. when Stefano Gasolfi started his little, he did a few of them. Yeah. Magnus was like, that's quite a good idea. Maybe yeah. I should. And you could see the cogs turning in his head. And then, you know, he's now huge. 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 Uh, but no, then, yeah, Courthouse Meter, obviously. And I kind of brought those guys in. And I, I think... Basically, I went through a transition in my head of like, I can, I was like, wow, I can create all this content with not very much money because <laughs> I can just go straight to the athletes and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but what I've realized is that there's always, always going to be that appetite for like kind of higher end production. And actually what that does is that kind of, it elevates you because there's so much content being created now. And like being a YouTuber is like not necessarily, not necessarily about creating the most beautiful video. It's about just creating regular, updated content. You know, I'm not saying that anybody can be a filmmaker because it still takes skill and it takes hard work and dedication. But what you can do is is you can create, and it's companies like Red Bull do it really well, is they create that kind of like that sexy content yeah. that people will go, wow, yeah. they take notice of it, and it kind of it goes outside of the industry, like. For example, Free Solo did like it was beautifully shot. It was an amazing story that went way, way, way outside the climbing industry. So what I think uh, my intention now these days is to kind of go try and create stuff like that. Uh, but again, 
budgets yeah. are always important and so that kind of has has restrictions that obviously it will have do you think people see us as a bit of a weird concept because we're this production house or we used to be a production house we're now not really a production house and the material we create tends to be for us whereas these big the things you're talking about the red bull videos the the free solo that's usually like you know north face will have a 50k whatever it is 100k video budget and mm. they all want one film a year that showcases them it's theirs and we don't really do that do we we sort of go you know we have a slightly smaller budget but the films are ours and we make it for you and it represents your brand where's the line between when you when you've got a last Sportiva legends or whatever it is in front of you where's the point where you're like this is good because it's a great climbing film and it's for the brand it's what they want is yeah. there a compromise to be made between what the brand wants and a good climbing video or can you generally find that middle point i don't know i think like i think definitely as a viewer and as us as viewers, we will know that. Mm -hmm. Like, we know what makes a good climbing film to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, we know when we're watching it that it's good. It's it's more difficult to go and sit sit down and be like, I want to design this, I want to make it and, and make it really good. I do think that um, if we had a lot of budget and if we had all the toys and we had a lot of people and mm -hmm. lots of stuff, we could probably make it but at the same time it does it, it does take like very good storytelling like storytelling is so important like you can have the sexiest most beautiful images in the world but if you haven't got a good story and i've said this before and i was mm. say it time again it doesn't really matter and and, that, and it goes the same way like if you don't have all those things but you have an, an amazing way of telling a story that's unique and different and people take it to make attention of it it's that's pretty cool. The reason I, I kind of want I kind of think about this high quality stuff is because I think it, for me in my head it goes hand in hand with good storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like it is interesting when you come across films that look beautiful, but then they don't make sense. I'm sure we saw something the other day which both with both of us were like, oh yeah, it's the one in Arcteryx Academy. Oh yeah, and. I, can we talk about it? I, I don't think we should talk about it, but... Uh, ooh, should we talk about that? No, I don't think we should talk about that. But yeah, I think there is sometimes a film that, like, it's got everything there, yeah. but it's missing a little bit of salt. You know what I mean? Like, you know when you cook a meal, yeah. and it's like, you, your risotto is great, but it just doesn't taste that great. It's a bit bland. Yeah, and as soon as you start, like, watching a film, and I, my, my tester is, like, if you're watching a film, you're just in it, you're not even thinking about anything else. You're just, like, so focused. And and there are like the Dawn War. I watched. The, I still haven't seen Frozen. Comedy versions. Still haven't seen Frozen. I've got it. You can just have can it. I, really? Uh, I'll work out how. It's on Amazon. There must be a way. Okay. Okay. Um, but I've seen Dawn War. Dawn War is a classic example for me. Is that I watched it the whole way through and I didn't just think about anything else. I was just thinking about that film because the story is so so good. The story in that is so good. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there are other films that I've watched and you basically just like you start all of a sudden you're like where are we now? What are we doing now? What's what, who's he? What's that? You know what I mean? And like, if, if you're not telling the story properly, and there's like so many ways to tell a story, but if you're not telling a story properly, um, and going back to the Living Legends thing, my way of being able to know that we're going to tell a good story is by having the script before we go. Yeah. I get very freaked out by the fact that we're going go to go, go on a shoot, we're going to talk in an interview, and I'm going to miss something, and I'm going to say, I'm not going to get and say that something, and we're going to miss part of the story, and we're going to have to fill it in with text, yeah. and it's going to look shit. I, like, that kind of freaks me out. Do you get the, the, I love that you say that because I get the fear. So especially when I'm by myself shooting, I'm, yeah. I'm back in my hotel room and I'm sitting there and I just click through footage and I have about 
the first half an hour of clicking through footage, I hate myself. Mm. And I'm like, why? How is this going to come together? It's only for me when I start editing it or I put it into a timeline. I'm yeah. like, all right, it wasn't quite what I wanted, but it kind of comes together. Totally. But do you think there's a, I think with any kind of art, and I do think making videos is art, there's like a, there's a process of self, like hate, self-deprecation, and then suddenly you come out with something at the end and people don't see all the blood, sweat, and crying that's gone into it, yeah. you know? They yeah. just see the finished product and they're like, nice. And you're like, yeah. did you see the aperture flick on that one? Or but then like, this is why you should never, ever, ever, and this, I've, I've understood this over time, because like, you should never, ever let anybody see anything until you think it's finished. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just going to be like, that's all right. Okay. It's a fine line, isn't there, between but I mean, there's like between and... me and you, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, like share. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, if, but for example, people. I got really excited about a project recently, and I sent, uh, I sent something to my dad, and I was like, "Dad, you really love this." And it was like, it was a rough cut, and he was like, he "Just sent a sent a message back going, yeah, it's pretty good." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, it's like, this is the most epic thing I've ever done." And uh, uh, and and my brother was, I was like, "Yeah, that's like that's like all right." I'm like, you should have just like just waited like a couple of days because yeah, you because yeah. you got so excited about it. Yeah, of course you want to show um, it off. You want to show it bit. off, but yeah. you got like it's really important to wait and like and always expect like lower expectations when people are going to kind of give mm. you feedback because you there like definitely when you're editing something together, you I think like through the process of editing, like unless you like hate editing, I really like editing because you start to like see this thing come together, you see it come together from the rawest form. And you almost like fall in love with it a little mm, bit, mm. I think. And you fall in love with it in the way that the the best filmmakers, they persuade other people to f fall in love with that film as well. And that's like, that's the best, best filmmakers get other people to feel the way about that film as they feel about it after, an, after a long edit. But guaranteed, uh, uh, in a film, in an edit, whatever, you should technically fall, technically, you should fall in love with your film. Um, and what's interesting is like, Having, uh, having, having the like, like bring it, bringing distance in between you and your film, so that you can a accept feedback without crying mm -hmm. your eyes out, and punching the person, and pitching, punching the person, <laughs> and and be just being able to distance yourself from a project. Like you said it today, you went yeah. away from a project you've been doing, you came back to, and you're like, ah, I can kind yeah. of like see it with a different perspective. Well, I can now. cut it now. Yeah, as in like there's shots that I was like, no, I love that shot, yeah, and now yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. ah, it doesn't matter. Um, right, we're talking about production, so let's get technical a little bit. What is your minimal standard? So let's say someone approaches you. Mm -hmm. We don't want stuff filmed on iPhones. It's just not good enough, you know. So what is the, what is the minimum requirements? I know, for example, Netflix have like, you, you've got to shoot in, I think they have 6K now. It's got to be on Reds, they have camera lists. When someone approaches you, is there a minimum standard in terms of what it's filmed on and the quality of it that you will accept? Does everything have to be 4K? Uh, t uh, tech, tech specs, no, because actually, uh, uh part of the website, website <laughs> doesn't accept 4K yet. Um, it, I mean, you know, who cares? Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, I think I, no, I don't really ask them what they're going to shoot it on. Like, I know most, I get, when, when I watch stuff on YouTube, I get annoyed when I see stuff's in auto. Mm -hmm. from filmmakers yeah and that means that it's coming in and out the lights changing yeah, yeah, all the time yeah. the white balance is changing it if I see like a vlogger shoddy. with it on auto I'm like that's fine yeah. that's cool it doesn't matter but if I see like a filmmaker and he's making a film and it's on auto I'd be annoyed so like I wouldn't ask the guy if he's filming in auto but you'll know like you'll basically ask yeah. him what kind of shit what cameras he's using and stuff like that yeah. so uh, I mean I use a GH5 now but like I don't think you necessarily need to use a GH5 um, but something kind of reasonably within the last kind of couple of years that shoots possibly 4K. Uh, 
I get very skeptical of people that come to me and say I've got a 5D Mark IV or a 5D Mark III. <laughs> yep. Because they're like they're photo cameras and not very good for video. No, they look terrible. Um, what is your pet peeve? In terms of anything, filming or editing, what do you hate to see? What me or other you people personally? Doing it? Well, so, as in like when you get a film because you got to look at it, you got to give feedback to the to the person who's filmed and produced it. What do you hate seeing? Like personally, okay, my pet peeve is uh, uh, bl blown out footage. Okay. Can't stand it. Can't stand like when something's really, like I would excuse it if it's obviously in the moment. If someone's grabbed a moment, right? Yeah. Then fine. But I, I think the cameras are good enough nowadays to not blow footage out too yeah. much. True. I hate seeing that. Mm -hmm. And it takes me out of it straight away. I'm like, yeah. oh look, you should just stop that down a bit. Do you have yeah. any pet peeves? Uh, pet peeves. Difficult. I know one of yours. What? Fade to black. Yeah, no, I don't like. You fade hate to black. a fade to black. Yeah, I don't like fade. I just, I think it's um, I think it's lazy. Okay. I, I don't like that's that. My my pet peeve is lazy filmmaking mm -hmm. because there's lots of stuff that you can do on iMovie, for example, and they basically encourage you to do it. They go, oh, you can do a fade to black. Yeah. Nice. That's a transition. <laughs> uh, I don't like that. I like um, well thought out transitions. Uh, that really you know lend themselves like sometimes a fade to black can work mm. i'm not gonna lie sometimes a fade to black can work sometimes a cross dissolve i work. love a cross dissolve yeah, i hate a cross dissolve but <laughs> i used it in the film the other day and i was like that's when it should be used because it was like some kind of dreamy sequence yeah um so yeah there's a time for everything i just feel like i don't want to see somebody that has gone uh that's just done it like really quickly fade to black fade to black just for me feels like I'm out of that thing, I'm into another one. I think there's always a way to, even if it's like you're not, if you're doing like the end of the day kind of thing, mm -hmm. there's always a way of doing it, like not, not fade to black. I always go, I just don't want to fade to black in a film, uh, unless it's the end. So talking about production, someone is, let's just say, we're giving a bit of advice to people here. Let's say someone has a fairly nice camera, they're doing videos. How do you increase your production value? How do you go, you know what, I film quite nice climbing shots, probably from a few angles. How do you step that up a bit? How do you go, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a professional, but I would like my movies to look more professional. What's a few, is there gear things that people can do or, or like tips that they can do just to make those videos a bit better? Um, I think, uh, I think like, like you said before, thinking about the edit as you are filming is very important. Not just like sticking a camera down and expecting to like get something nice. Think. Like you're you're gonna stick the camera down and be like, well, what could work with that shot? Are you like gonna get uh, a kind of cross angle kind of thing? Get the guy to do it again, maybe get close up. What's interesting about the climb is it that hold there? So, do you want to show that hold in a certain way? Um, that's so that's an obvious way of doing it. I think uh, audio is obviously very important. Mm -hmm. As soon as start, people start thinking about audio, and and the effect that audio can have on the viewer whilst they're watching something they under, start to understand that it's it's super important and getting good audio, not just like stuck sticking like a banging soundtrack on there, makes a massive difference. I often often enjoy watching a climbing film that has no music, mm -hmm. I think, and it just uses the audio, uh, I think is, is super interesting. Um, and then and then camera movement. Camera movement's probably the most difficult of those three. The, I, but it, if you can get it right, if you can kind of set up a shot, whether you're on a slider, whether you have a gimbal, a uh, nice kind of slow movement that kind of shows, I, I like it in 25p. If you get a nice movement in 25p <laughs> with a bit of foreground and something like that, that, that 
you know maybe you're not gonna be able to hold for too long but at least you're gonna hold it for like four or five seconds and then that you can use that within yeah. the, the the um the edit i think that definitely ups your 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 quality of your of your stuff um yeah i don't know i think that's probably about it really but like if i if like i don't know what if you have if you ask for advice from a filmmaker yeah what what would you say what's like your number one thing that you um i think if i was going down a gear route for example i do think uh, having a decent mic helps mm -hmm. as you've mentioned with the audio um and tripod like honestly that's like such a simple thing like i know because obviously I, f I film a lot of vlogs right and yeah. i never take a tripod i maybe take a little gorilla thing nine times out of ten it's like uh handheld it can be a bit shaky it's all right but whenever i film an epic tv thing i stick everything on a tripod unless yeah. i want a sort of slightly handheld like feel that you know when you're, you're like in the scene and you need a little bit of movement yeah but um there's definitely a, a like a change of thinking that i go through when i'm filming something bigger and i go every shot has got to look beautiful so it's therefore you you've got to stick it on a tripod or you've got to like stick it back on a gimbal and that can be a pain in the ass because if yeah. you're transferring it between a tripod and a gimbal lens swaps you can't you know swap a lens whilst it's on a ronin it takes time yeah. and that for me is the difference between filming something bigger and not is the time that you have to spend around it yeah and that's hard because the athletes you know chomping at the bit to go and and it's something i learned from matafi actually is matafi although it can be supremely irritating he can he, he really takes his time with it mm. and i think that's so i think that's such a great thing to learn because because just having half a second more to yourself going, I'm just going to make sure everything's good here. Yeah. That makes a big difference, I think. Yeah. Um, that's something that I'd certainly learned um, from that. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just, I think it's a mindset more than anything. It's just going like, I want to film this nicely. Yeah. How do I do that? Totally. And if it's just screwing an ND filter on, instead of just sticking up your shutter speed, put an ND filter on it. You know, little tiny things that take more time. It's more faff, it's more gear, it's more stuff to carry around, but it does make such a big difference, especially in the edit, when you're staring at footage going like, damn, why didn't I do that? Totally. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's like all that time, it's, it, it, like you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's an attitude thing where, by I imagine you probably find going out and filming something and you're you're the filmmaker rather than going out and filming a vlog mm. way easier I know that yeah. I would because you're like oh, I've got to film something now but I really just want I want, I want to go climbing <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Have fun. yeah and like that's that's you've got to force yourself to do it the motivation isn't quite there but actually if you that actually changes like I'm going to go out and I'm going to film today I'm not even going to climb yeah this is me I want to create the best thing possible that like that's how you're going to create something yeah. better and you're going, to, you're going to up your quality. That's a really good tip, actually, the whole climbing and filming thing. Like, that's something I learned pretty quick because I can't do both. Yeah. Like, I'm either, I either leave the shoes at home or I take the shoes. It's like, yeah. it's one or the other and leave yeah. the camera. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard to do both, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's really hard. It's easy to do both if you're just having fun, as we said. Well, but, but this is the thing. So, like, quite often we'll go on a climbing daily shoot and, like, you'll climb because it's part of the video mm. and I won't necessarily climb because I'm like, I, I, I am totally in the mindset of filming and I, and I don't really want to complicate it with mm. like a climb. Maybe afterwards, but even then I'm like, I just want to have a beer. Also, I get shaky as well. Yeah, You know, yeah, I'm yeah, breathing yeah, yeah. hard and you've suddenly got to hold the camera still. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <gasps> okay, okay. Right. And I think people have more respect for you if you're like, if you're just the filmmaker yes, rather than the so. climber. If yeah. you're not like, if you're, you're there to make films, you're not there to, to mess around and climb. Um, I think people respect you more and they have more kind of like, 
they're like they take you more seriously as, yeah. as what you're trying to do now we have on uh, the FATV website something called an MCN channel which we haven't really done a huge amount within the last couple of years just because we haven't had that many people to do it but if you are a filmmaker out there you're listening to this thinking I feel a little bit inspired by it and you want to send us videos please please do yeah. because we'll never nick them we'll always use them if you want us to use them but you can also feature on the website there's a space for filmmakers and if you're good enough we'll put you on the front page we'll promote using our social, me social media and uh, and I, th I think that's something that we, we haven't been doing much recently, but I loved about Epic TV when I started was the fact that we had this collection of filmmakers. Yeah, totally. So, so if you're listening and you're inspired, there are ways to get in touch. Climb at epictv.com. Just drop us an email. We will I'm, I'm going to rewrite the contract so that people can actually get some money out of it. Yes, that'd be nice. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I think that was a good chat. I think um, for me, I think it's uh, something that obviously as with every filmmaker you're always kind of trying to get better and stuff like that um but i like the idea that um that the, the film shoots are uh i don't want to say stressful but intense mm -hmm. i think they need to be intense and i think you need to work hard yeah they're not it's not easy like i remember getting shouted at a lot when i was younger as an assistant when i fucked up <laughs> excuse me um just because like the the DOP, the guys that are expecting the best quality and like they they understand to get like the best quality in something, you need to like be at the top of your game at all times. Um, so it, it isn't easy, and it's like you know a lot all that stuff that you see on YouTube and stuff. A lot of work goes into that. All those kind of that stuff, all that like free solo, and they mm. they repeat that stuff over and over again until the climber is so freaking bored that they yeah. don't want to ever see a bit <laughs> of rock ever again. And you're like, you're sat there in the end of the lens going, can we just do it one more time? <laughs> apparently, apparently Alex Magos, uh, who's very good to, to film, film with, um, he hates it if you say, oh, just one more time, Alex. He Which does, he wants to time. know specifically. Yeah. So you have to tell him like at the side, like, right, we're going to do this about 15 times, all right? So just prep yourself for that. Yeah. If you say that to him, he's happy. But if you like, if you go, we're going to do it nine times, and the 10th time you're like, we just do it one more time. And then the 11th time you're like, just one more time, Alex. <laughs> that's when he starts getting pissed off. Which go. I get, I get, I get. But it's sometimes hard to know how many takes you want you're going to get. Yeah, just so it, one more time just rolls off the tongue as well. I know, I know, I know. And especially because you've worked on film sets, I've worked on film sets. Like, I also know that one more time doesn't mean one Yeah, it doesn't time. mean one more time, but exactly. normal people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Normal people don't know that, exactly. That's a lesson. Yeah. Cool, guys, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, please keep leaving reviews. We've been reading the reviews recently and really, really uh, lovely of you to do that. Thank you very much. Hugo, best of luck next week with Hazel. Thank you very much. Uh, and also, who just won the World Championships? Uh, Yanny Gambra and, and Tomo. Yeah. Did Tomo win? I think so. Double, double champion? Double. Did he win it last time? No idea. Yanya won it last time, didn't she? Yeah. And God, how do we not know this? Yanya, yeah, no, Yanya's... Whatever. Anyway, World Chaps, it's over. <laughs> you won't that. listen to this by now. See you later, guys. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye.